Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week, whatever it is you did this week. It's been a it's been a really great week. I've had a great week this week. I'll tell you what, started out Monday doing the show with Happy Land at the Saxon Pub, our residency. We're doing one more month of it. However, we're not doing this Monday the 5th. We play every Monday at 6 p.m. at the Saxon Pub, except for this Monday the 5th is the BMI Songwriter Showcase thing. So anyway, uh, if you don't know what Happy Land is, if you haven't listened before, uh, it's a brand new band. It started, it's uh, me, Kimmy Rhodes, uh, Sean Pander, and Gabriel Rhodes all singing. We have a band, Louis Rhodes on keyboards, uh, Harmony Kelly on bass, and John Chipman on drums, but it's great. Lots of harmonies, uh, four lead singers taking turns singing songs, but playing with the band. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun. And Monday night was just such a special night. My old manager, Jan Merkin, who worked with me, she worked with Ian Moore, she worked with Bad Mother Goose, she worked with this band called Breed Love. Uh, She's got deep roots in Austin, like deep roots in the music scene here in Austin. They go back all the way to the 80s. And the people that showed up for her birthday, which she had at our show, by the way, she decided to celebrate her birthday at our show. And uh, it was just great. It was a great reunion, seeing all these great old friends of mine, people in music that I haven't seen in a long time, people that used to work in the music business that don't work in the music business anymore. It was just great to see everybody and spend time with everybody. And to see Jan, such a wonderful human being, being celebrated like that. I love her, man. She was my manager from like 1993 to like 1995, 96, maybe 97. I don't know, like maybe four years we worked together. 
And then, uh, but she's always stayed my friend afterwards and we've always done stuff together and she's been around and I, you know, even this podcast, I've gone and talked to her about it and what I'm doing with it. And if I'm doing the right thing, she's a great, great person to bounce ideas off, but also a really supportive human being who's always been there for me and on all levels, really just a lovely human being. And I love her so much and her husband Palmer. So I it was very special to have her spend her birthday with us. Got to see so many old friends. It was like an old Austin music night. You know, where all these people you don't really see very often, man. Usually someone has to die. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but usually at this point in life, somebody has to die for that many people to get together. But um, I'm glad that wasn't it, that we were all celebrating Jan and the fact that she's still alive. And what a fun show, man. The band is firing on all cylinders. Uh, we just had this big meeting today uh, with our manager and stuff. We're going to put out some music over the next few months. And we're not going to play any shows again until probably July. So we have the last three Mondays uh, of starting the 12th of February. We're going to do the last three Mondays and that's it. We won't be able to play again really until July. So definitely come out and see one of those shows if you want to see what Happy Land's all about. It's a good time and it does make people happy. All right. Looking forward to doing all those shows and I'm sad we're not doing this Monday. But we are rehearsing. So that's exciting. Um, what else has been going on, gang? You know, uh, I've I've... I've got to say, because this is actually where, where, where music and politics kind of cross. I've been keeping up with, uh, with, with the rights freak out and complete meltdown over Taylor Swift being a psyop. Vivek Ramanswamy thinks that they're going to, uh, I saw him tweet this thing that they're going to, the Super Bowl is going to be rigged. And when I guess Taylor, I guess, I guess Taylor Swift now goes with, uh, with whoever her, her boyfriend is, the guy from the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, they win the Super Bowl, then they're going to announce that they're backing Joe Biden. I don't know what the fuck these people are thinking, but it is funny that I was watching this Fox News clip where they're like, and where did Taylor Swift come from? She's never been this famous. It's like, where have you been for the last like 15 years, right? Wasn't it 2009 when, 15 years. And they're acting like she just popped up out of nowhere and no one's here. Like, like the Eras tour wasn't the biggest money-making tour of any tour ever. You know what I mean? What, what a weird fucking group of people. But anyway, I do like the fact that there's this whole like Taylor Swift freak out. And that's where we're at with, with politics. It's like Taylor Swift is going to rig the Super Bowl. And when she gets the, gets the, because always the girlfriend of one of the players gets the, gets the trophy, then she's, she's going to announce that she's backing Biden. So just for that makes me want to go out and, uh, and just have Taylor Swift blaring from my car all the time as I'm driving through the country, the countryside of Texas. Uh, I think Rosie and I are going to head out tomorrow morning and go visit my aunt and uncle are staying out in Blanco. And we're going to go out there and have breakfast with them and then go on a big hike. I'm not playing this weekend, so I'm going to be doing a lot of outdoor stuff if I can. I know it's supposed to rain, but I'm excited to do some stuff with Rosie, get out there and see my Aunt Christina and my Uncle Chuck are doing that thing. They're not living in an RV, but they're taking off for like a week at a time and hanging out somewhere and doing their thing. They actually went out for like a month, I think, uh, in the fall. So anyway, yeah, they're living the RV life and I'm excited to do that. But anyway, uh, I'm not playing this weekend. I'm glad to have the weekend off. Uh, just looking forward to working on some Happy Land stuff, working on some podcast stuff, hanging out with Rosie, maybe working on some songs, going to dinner with friends. That's that's what I do when I'm not <laughs> when I'm not working on the weekend. I get out and like pretend I'm a normal person and have a weekend. <laughs> 
Gang, I have a great show for you today. Lisa Mahach, who has uh, a music business coaching company called Little City Sounds. She also uh, is the is the host and producer of Reference Tracks podcast. It's a fantastic podcast. They talk a lot. She talks a lot with other uh, musicians and people in recording. Uh, very great, legendary people like Lenise Bent, who I've had on. Susan Rogers, who's worked with Prince and all these people. She had our friend Anastasia Hera on there. She's also the director of the Omni Sound Project, which is a uh, music production and audio engineering publication that's uh, fostering an inclusive and welcoming learning community for makers for makers of music makers of all stripes now uh she also writes for the great tape up magazine one of my favorite magazines actually the only magazine that when you come to my house there's a bunch of them on the coffee table and i had to tell her that i didn't just lay them out because she was coming over but they're always laid out uh as i said she has little city sounds the omni sound project she also uh, does music production she does uh music uh, she does songwriting and and plays music as well, though I've not heard her music and I've not heard stuff she produced. I would like to hear it. But her Reference Tracks podcast, you can find wherever it is that you find podcasts. You can find Little City Sounds, her music business coaching uh, company at littlecitysounds.com and uh, Omni Sound Project, the online magazine, you can find at omnisoundproject.com. She also volunteers for Space Flight Records. She splits her time between Austin, Texas and Montana. And uh, we have a really great conversation about recording, about modern recording techniques, about songwriting, about navigating the music business, about podcasting, about uh, old recording styles versus new recording styles. She does call me like a grumpy old man or something at some point uh, because I don't like recording on computers. But my conversation with Lisa Mahach is great. She's a great person. Uh, she's a very, very interesting person with a lot of coals in or irons in the fire. So uh, check it out. This is me and Lisa Mahach chatting it up. Let's get down. So I see you're a tape op reader. I'm a writer for I saw that. And I didn't put those out like that. They are always out like that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that, man. I didn't read any of your articles, but I did see that you wrote some. Yeah. Sorry. I might have read okay. some though, before have. without even knowing. Yeah, for sure. I've been contributing for maybe like three years now. And you so. had Larry on your podcast. Yes. I Fucking that's Larry. a score. I know. He's and Susan Rogers. Whoa. Susan Rogers and Lenise Bent. Yeah. I had Lenise on. She's cool, did right? You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. her so much. I've never met her in person. I've never met her in person oh, you either. you just did virtual. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I hate Larry. that, by the oh, way. Go ahead. I like meeting a person and getting to hang out with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. My podcast is on Zoom. Um, and I, while I'm here this month, because I split my time between here and Montana. Mm. So while I'm here this month, I'm going to be recording some folks in person just because it's so much better. I saw you had my friend Anastasia here on. Yeah. yeah. She's cool. She's very cool. Yeah. She's a space flight artist. So. Is she now? Yeah. Congratulations so to Anastasia. I, guy. I do some. Yeah. Writing. I heard you talking to her about doing some volunteering. Mm -hmm. what? Yeah. You do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff. And I didn't even realize you split your time between here and Montana. Yeah. Yep. That's why I do a lot of stuff. Cause if I'm here, I don't do anything. <laughs> and if I'm in Montana, I'm much more productive cause there's less to do. Really? Well, there's more to do like outdoorsy wise, but there's less right. to do in the evenings. Right. So I wind up doing a lot of stuff at night, a lot of my work at night. All right. Owl. 
All right. Yeah. Well, let's 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 quickly just tell me what you do with Spaceflight. You volunteer yeah. doing? I just reached out to them. So I do music consulting, and so I reached I out that. to them yeah. to work, like possibly work with their artists and what they really needed help with was events, and that's my background. So I've been helping them do some panels at UT, like speaker events. Cool. Mm-hmm. What what like what on what? The first one we did was just on the music business landscape here in Austin. We had Lori Gallardo, she was a guest, and then Tom Vale, um, people who are involved in different parts of the music sure. industry, including musicians. So we had Anastasia and then um, Jonathan Hortzman from um, yeah. Urban Heat. Urban Heat, yeah. And um, so the kids, the students came and just asked a bunch of questions and got to hear all from all of us old timers about <laughs> <laughs> how to make it in the Austin music Wait, scene. You don't seem old timery. Me? Yeah. I will be 50 this year. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smoking and drinking and doing drugs did I know, not right? work for me. Oh, I was going to say uh, it worked for me. I'm well preserved. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? I'm just joking. Um, I didn't uh, do enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't. <laughs> right. I don't think so. Um, uh, that you you look well preserved. Thank You're a well preserved you. human being. <laughs> um, so uh, so you do like uh, I was I was trying to figure out how you did all this stuff because on your website you yeah. you said you came to consulting through event planning and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about uh, is uh, Little City Sounds mm-hmm. is the is the one. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do consulting in. I did that with Austin Music Foundation. Oh, cool. We I've did the hearing... artist development program. Yeah, and I know that they're not doing that any yeah. longer, and so I've been Sad. trying to figure out how to like tap into that same crowd that needs that because it's pretty much exactly what I'm doing. Right. Just helping people with their business. Um, you know, you know this as well as anybody, but if you're a musician, music itself, especially just streaming and recorded music, it just doesn't pay the bills and you have to find something else to supplement it, podcasting or yeah. running a business or whatever. So it's, go ahead. It's interesting because uh, I, I never sold enough records to, and all the placements I've ever had have been like shitty. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, not saying, shitty, yeah, just like, not like not like, like high yeah, pain. Have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Well, I mean, you're right. Um, and and so uh, uh, it's weird because the business that I came up in was take a nap in the afternoon, get your shit together, go to sound check, grab something to eat, and play a gig, and then go to the next town or you know go home or whatever. So it's always been a pretty. Uh, uh, practice almost like a blue collar yes. job that I've understood. I mean, I've had record deals and that, but I've gotten advances, but I've never like, right. You know, sold a million records or something yeah. and made that money back. Yeah. So. so it's a mindset game. It's like people, there was this real brief period in history for a select few humans where you could make a ton of money off recording an album yeah. and people are really stuck on that. They have a really hard time shifting into that blue collar mentality of like you just it's a job you have to work (laughs) i noticed that consulting now because there are like it uh 20 years ago all of a sudden when it became no longer it it wasn't a bad word to have your music in a commercial in fact became one of the best things you could do yeah yeah um and once that happened 
I don't know. It's it's weird because the business has shifted in a way that like it's real weird, and people have these very odd expectations yes. of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. They do. Yeah, and it's not just it's not like age related or generation related. It's just that I think it just sorry about that. There was a there was like a dream and a fantasy that people are just really hung up on, and I think the people who are really making it work <laughs> are like the ones who know that it's like ten percent playing music. And the rest of it is working like the business side, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. that is for you. So like Rosie's working on that. Like Rosie's um, working on that. <laughs> so were you, when did you get in the business, into the music business? So pretty much the pandemic. Um, so I've been a musician my whole, well, not my whole life, my whole adult life. And Have we ever met or anything? I mean, were you from, did you, were you in the Austin I music know, scene at yeah, any point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never played together because I'm a, I was in like a folk like folk doo-wop country that's what we called it doo-wop folk whatever i can't remember what we called it oh we called it folk and roll <laughs> um that's but, what jamie harris calls it oh really yeah oh um so anyway we uh we didn't play anything you would have played but i think i've seen i mean i've been here since 99 before that i was in college station so a lot of bands would tour through there i play as that stafford opera House yeah exactly yeah. and i feel like i saw you like in that era yeah, we were seeing Spoon and Sixteen Deluxe yeah. and uh, Whiskey Town, all kinds of great bands. Do you ever see David? There? Yeah, a I remember lot. being there at, a lot with him. There, he played at Third Floor Cantina. Third Floor Cantina, all the, like all the that time. was the upstairs yeah. place. Yeah. Also, I played there with him. Yeah. So yeah. I think I saw you. Like we've been around each other, but I don't know that we've ever like even talked. Okay. So, but I've been a listener of your podcast. I you love have? it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I a think... new listener to yours. It's a great <laughs> Thank show. Thank you. Reference Tracks Podcast. Yes. Great job, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Um, I want to give you a compliment though on yours because I just think you're archiving like like something that might not always be here in this town. I mean, it's changing so rapidly, the yeah. live music scene. And I Thanks. look at your podcast as like the the just taking note of everything that's happened here in the last 30 years or beyond. Yeah. Thank you. It's so interesting. And it's not just old scene. You've got new people and I just love it. I always learn something. So I've had Anastasia as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you have Pat Bukta. I don't know how you say his last name. Patrick Bukta. Yeah. How do you say your last name? Mahach. Mahach. Yeah. Pat and I both have those Czech last names. It's a a backwards. You have a whole backwards thing. It's a backwards thing. And a weird H. You just pronounce the H, and you, then you move move the H over again. That's exactly right. Okay, I got to write this down, Ma. Hey, Rosie, is there another place that we can do this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you love her, man. We all love her. Hey, seriously, but there is another. She place. is so cute. Um, do you do you get involved with like the like? Okay, sorry. Let's go back to this. So, okay. so when did you when did you come to Austin and start playing, and where okay. were you playing? So moved here in 99, didn't really play music. I think Austin made me a musician. I was already a music lover and huge music fan, but I wasn't yet playing. And in fact, for the first couple of years, this is so funny. I was thinking about it earlier. We, um, my friends and I made, we had a music zine and like a paper. Well, actually we had an online blog, which in 99, that was like weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. But we would make a paper copy version of it, and we just had so much fun. So I have all these like cool Xerox. What was it called? From, it was called Citizen Snob. <laughs> That's a great it, name it for was a zine, dude. So good. And we. Were what was the angle? What were you guys pissing on? Re- re- reviewing local bands. <laughs> okay. Yeah, music. You but weren't. You weren't we, against anything. 
Because a lot of times those zines are, are pro something, but they're also like against something. I think if we were against anything, we were against ourselves. We were like just making fun of ourselves constantly. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, it was a friend, a couple friends of mine and I, and we were just always like telling terrible stories about, you know, the Red River scene and just doing stupid stuff. Um, but we made up a fake band because... We just, I don't know, I think one issue we had like extra space or something. We're like, let's just do a review of this fake band. And so then we started reviewing ourselves like pretty regularly, this fake band. And so I tell people like, I was in a fake band before I was in a real band. (laughs) (laughs) And we would tell people we'd go to like 710 or Emos or something like that. We'd be like, oh, we're in the whatever, whatever. I'm not going to say the name of the band. And they would let us in. Like they believed us. And so we just made up this whole thing. But so eventually I did learn to actually play an instrument. And then, I'm sorry, I keep hitting the mic. Um, and then we, that's my band Guy Town. And that was three, my, it started off, I think there were five of us, but narrowed it down to three of us. And we just do like three part harmonies and we've been playing together for 20 years. So I was still, are you, are you, no. occasionally no. um the pandemic we were gigging up until the pandemic and then it just kind of stopped and now i don't really i'm not here all the time so and what? so you grew up in houston yeah clear lake oh nice where, where were you what part I, uh i was in the woodlands okay. and then when i lived there and played music and stuff i lived in the heights like oh, i lived I on white oak heights. like white oak and harvard like uh four blocks from fitzgerald's i was gonna who say managed me at the time oh man what a cool venue yeah what a great venue we're uh the band I'm in Skyrocket. We were the last last band to play it. Oh wow! We closed yeah, close that thing down. Yeah, we went to we went there, and then Numbers was another. Oh big god, man. Numbers. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, dude. I, uh, Bruce, the guy that owned it, the guy he used to spin on Thursdays, but he also owned uh, Record Rack. Oh, I, I don't know that. You remember that place? It was across from. Uh, Remember when Whole Foods was on Shepherd mm-hmm. when Cactus mm-hmm. Records Cactus, was there, yep. and the bookstop, the big yep, theater yep. bookstop. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love that place. Right. Dude, I fuck it. I met Michael Jackson there. I shook his hand. I swear to God. When he was on the bad tour. Oh my God. Yeah, I worked at Whole Foods and somebody came in, like a customer came in and told his his wife and daughter, like, oh, Michael Jackson's next door and he ran. And I, I was like, dude, that's so mean. Like he's in town. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. no, 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 dude. No, it's Michael Jackson really... is next door. And so I just took my apron off. I ran <laughs> over there. I tracked him down in the magazine section and I said <laughs> hi to him and I shook his hand. It was That's real amazing. weird. And you know what? That was when he started to look weird and people were like, oh, he looks weird. When he turned and I, I was face to face. I mean, that's a that's a heavy fucking thing, right? Yeah. How heavy is that for yeah. people like ours? For our anyone, age, really? Yeah. I was like face to face with Michael. Wow. I mean, it was this fast. Hi. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, like the hi. But but his face was there. Yeah. You know, and he like he was he gave me his energy for, you know wow, wow, half a wow, second. Wow. It was That's so cool. It's pretty I'm always bragging on my best friend, but she um is a the associate director of the MJ musical. Um and if you ever find yourself or if it comes anywhere near mm-hmm. here, it's the Michael Jackson right, yeah, like, yeah. Broadway show. Oh my god, it's incredible. Is there a story or is it just songs? <laughs> Well, I thought before I went to see it, I thought, oh, it'll just be kind of like a, you know, it'll, it's just going to be like a musical review of his life or whatever. But they, they started developing it and then the pandemic started. So they really had two years of just like intensive creative process. And they, there's no wasted moment in that musical and the sets are always changing changing and they're jumping back and forth between different eras of his life. And it's insane. It is the most creative thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Yeah. So, but it's cool because I think younger people are getting to 
a, a feeling of that energy and magnetism because now when we think, say right i know i was, was going to say now that we know about him it's yeah. like that's what it's, people think and so it's 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 interesting to see younger people go to that show and be like oh okay we get it we understand why he was so yeah yeah you know captivating yeah. i'm trying to think of a word that isn't inappropriate <laughs> did you watch the hbo thing no on him yeah yeah Mm-mm. oh uh, yeah, do, where do you like you know are you like oh well he was a bad dude but I don't know you know I did a lot of research because obviously like she was conflicted about sure, being sure. involved and then like people I know have been conflicted about like going to see it and so I just really I don't know I can kind of go either way with it yeah yeah but uh, I tend yeah. to believe believe victims that's just I err on that side of things so yeah and the particular thing they get they have two different people that are like two separate stories exactly the same story right and uh and the main thing is he really did there's no question about it he had a room behind a closet oh which like that's a real thing so whether it's his word against his this dude had a room behind a closet like, yeah right you don't <laughs> have one why? of those you're not five if, you don't yeah. need a place to hide from your parents right you're fucking michael jackson you yeah. own a castle and a and a and a yeah. park. okay Michael Jackson, hi, back to Shepard. <laughs> the record rack was across the street kind of from there. Okay. And, uh, and had, it was next to a Chinese food place. There was a pretty happening Chinese place, yeah. like with a three ninety nine lunch thing. I can see that whole neighborhood. You know what I'm talking so about? Clearly, yeah. So the guy that owned numbers owned that record store. And so he would like spin these dance records. Like I'd go there the next day, you know, mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. opened, probably still on ecstasy and be like, hey man, do you like, you got that, uh, you know, Nitzareb or whatever, whatever they were playing at the place, you know. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that those were connected. Yeah. Yeah, my cousin worked at that paper store that was in that strip that yeah, was yeah. a little further down. And my other cousin, I think, worked at either the bookstop or Cactus was yeah. like his first job. So spent a lot of time in that little strip mall. Yeah. That's a good place, man. It's a, the, all that stuff is gone, though. Yeah. From there. It yeah. is. Yeah. There's like a pet smart. Oh, that sucks. Oh, so sad. I remember when they closed those places and everybody was just like brokenhearted. Yeah. End of an era. Um, all right. So you go to college, then you move to Austin and you decide you're going to play. What were you doing for a job when you moved here? I know that zine wasn't paying a lot. What was I doing for a job? I got a degree in recreation, parks and tourism. Really? <laughs> yes. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and so... I have no idea. I, oh, I was working at Cafe Mundi. Oh, yeah, man. Yes. I miss that place. So, like, when I got to Austin, I got, like, a real job yeah. in, like, working for a nonprofit, and I, it lasted, like, six months, and I went straight back into hospitality, which is just what I've done forever. So, I, that's kind of how I got into event planning. But, um, so, yeah, I was working at Cafe Mundi, going to Room 710 and Lovejoys and all those places yeah, literally yeah. every night. Yeah. Every single night. Yeah. Seeing bands, blowing out my eardrums. Uh, do you, what was that guy's, God, what is his name? He was my friend. Woody? Still is my friend. No, no, no. Uh, from Cafe Mundi, who oh, was oh, Kelly oh. Clarkson's music director. Oh, jo- um, J- Aben. Aben. Yeah. Why was I going to say Jaben? Aben Eubanks. Good yes. dude. Yes. He is a good dude. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a residency there. Okay. Some years after that, then like in 2003 or something. Yeah, then for sure we've hung out because I was there. I was definitely there. In that time? And I think I know that's where I, yeah, as soon as you're saying that, I can like see your name on the little chalkboard. Because remember like <laughs> yeah, Matt, yeah, the yeah. electrician used yeah, to play, yeah. it was like Wednesday nights. Yeah. And you were like Thursdays. I did, I did like Tuesdays, I think, Oh, Tuesdays, okay. And yeah. I know I didn't work on 
you're I worked like two nights a week. Probably requested. I can't have <laughs> yeah, the same right. room as that dude. Don't. No, I was good with everybody there except for the dude who played the sitar out in the garden who would practice his scales. Public practicing people are assholes. Not cool. That's that's my that's my thing. Like play, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah. like running through scales on a like twenty four stringed instrument or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Take me. <laughs> That's not polite. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that place was so magical, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. When I moved here, I was so jealous of people who talked about Les Amis because that was before my era. And it took me about three years of working at Cafe Mundi before it clicked. Like, oh, this is this is the new Les Amis. You know, yeah. this is the spot. That's you know you're right. It's too bad because that whole vibe is kind of gone from there. They wiped it out. Unless, yeah, you can still go to, um, what's it called? Yellow Jacket. Yeah. And it's the same, like, you know, infrastructure at least. But it across the tracks now is the condos where it used to be the tortilla chip factory. Right. And they would burn a batch every once in a while and you'd be yeah. sitting out there and <laughs> smell of burnt tortilla chips. Was that the Milagro? Uh, I think no, it was you, their factory. They had okay, the sales right, right, place down right, the road, but right. yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so who who were you seeing that inspired you to get a an actual group together? I don't know that I was seeing anybody here yet because I was really into the rock scene. Um, I wasn't yet into the country um, scene. I loved country. I, it, it, the last year that I was at A&M, I became friends with this group of guys that worked at the record store there. And they were just like obsessed with Towns Van Sant. And he oh, yeah. just opened up. Up until I think that point in my life, I was mm. like country no thank you um well that's a different thing than like yeah but i think growing up in texas and like hearing like mainstream country which i love now actually but like at the time it just was very associated with like a type of person that i didn't want to hang out with um and so like i love like i listened to like 90s country and stuff until i discovered basically like punk rock and riot girl and i was just like see ya you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and so towns reopened that world and then got us into folk and you know all this other stuff too because so. his music had the same kind of purpose that those other people's music did yes it had yeah. the same purpose they were they Absolutely. were trying to say something yeah well folk is is punk is punk. Yeah, yeah yeah and so um i mean there's nobody more punk than woody guthrie right yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah there's that, also that, that's like an avenue that guys go down like look at john doe now like a guy with like a string tie playing with a stand-up bass guy totally. you know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so i think that i got really into listening to like country and folk but i didn't really go to see people here so much other than don walzer at hovita's on tuesday nights and I miss um, him. yeah that was so fun yeah clautas and uh Lone Star. Was Babes still around when you? Because mm -hmm. I remember I used to go see him at Babes and eat a hamburger. Same okay, thing, like okay. have a beer. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just um, was mostly pretty focused on rock and roll. So I don't know that anything, what inspired me to start playing? I mean, I always played. I always played guitar, just like covers. We, I had a, oh, I know what it was. My friend Julia, my bandmate, she moved in with us, with me. And I had this rinky-dink little like 400 square foot house on the east side. And, but in one of the rooms we had like eight guitars and like a piano and just, it was just like this room just full yeah. of instruments. Yeah. 
And so we started doing like a women's jam every like Wednesday night. And we'd just be like, come over. You don't have to know how to play. We'll teach you, you know, and we just had so much fun. And so then one Wednesday night, this one woman showed up and it was just the three of us. So it was Julia, me, and then Evie. And we started messing around with harmonies and it was just like, uh oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. We can't play. We'd we'd strum and then when it was time to change the chord, we'd have to stop singing and look to Look down at our hand and change and then strum again. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, at um, least you persisted and didn't get someone in to play guitar and then just never yeah, learn it. That's yeah, cool. which is fine, too. Um, but we were, real, we were real yeah. adamant about playing our own instruments. And so I went to straight or yeah, straight music down on down in South Austin. I was like, I have to buy another instrument because we have three guitars, but I only have $100. <laughs> and they were like, the mandolin. And so I bought a mandolin and uh, like a really cheap one, obviously. And that was uh, the lineup of our band. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. It just happened. So it was like a, it was country folk and with all the harmonies mm-hmm, made it barbershop mm-hmm. or doo-wop is what you said. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was um, really fun. I'm not a do. I'm not a big fan of do. Like guys stand on a corner. Oh, no. When I say doo I'm yeah. talking about like Detroit. <laughs> Did you see my eyes? I was about to walk yeah. out the door. Um, I'm talking about like Shangri-Las. Like that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that harmony, but sure. like gritty. Yeah. Detroit. Uh, yeah. I thought you meant like, who put the man in the beard about him and sitting in the He put me, tell me, I'm You know, like that. It just doesn't do One it for me. One of my me. bandmates would be Rosie, delighted Rosie. to be in a band like that. You like that? You I'm like sure that? I just, there's somebody out there that's getting mad right now. Like, how dare you? Uh-huh. So, uh, so, hey, having those women jams, it kind of seems like it led you into sort of uh, like the Omni Sound, sound project. project is uh, is female yeah. focused, right? Yeah, I mean, that motivates almost and, pretty much everything I do is just gender equity. Like, I think I just hung out with all dudes in, in college and we were, you know, always listening to music and I just get, you know, it just gets tiresome to only hear from half the population. Um, and so you want to, you want to hear some different voices every once in a while. I'm always amazed when I meet men who don't enjoy listening to women. It's like, how do you only, I want to hear everybody, you know, you're very good, by the way. I do want to give you another compliment on this podcast. Um, I know you like you're compared to Mark Marin, but Mark Marin is really bad about having women on his show. And I look at your lineup and I'm always like, good job. You have a lot of women. I don't actively genders. try and do anything. So if there's ever like a, a, someone, because a lot of times people have a problem with whatever oh, I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm, I'm just trying to fill a Tuesday and a Friday. <laughs> I don't care what color or gender you are. Yeah. It, that, that stuff, you know, I mean, I get it. I mean, yeah. I've made music and work with women. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've. Yeah. But I, mean, I think I that mean, kind of proves my point. I think you actually, this day and age, I think you have to actually be trying to not include people if you're not finding a little bit of everything. That's true. You know? I mean, you know, there's certain eras, areas of music, like some people say, that's so ironic. I bought a shot collar a few months ago. I haven't used it. Uh, you know who You know who I used it on? Me, to see if it, and it shocked the shit out of me and I never used yeah. it. Yeah. But that's why she still jumps and stuff. But now I think she's going to chew it. Give me one oh. second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She's like, now's my opportunity to destroy this thing once and for all. All right, Rosie. Rosie, that thing. Well, she doesn't even know what it is, but I've been thinking about using it lately, which is terrible. Because mm. I don't want to. 
Um, does it not have like a vibrate? Like it a does have a vibrate buzz? thing, but it's just not going to do anything. I think it does, especially if she's scared of it. Then she'll think it's the shock. Right. Yeah. Just do that. Okay. Don't shock her. No, I don't, that's what I'm she's saying. It's just cute. been sitting there. I know. I know. <laughs> not that you deserve me shocking. You know what? I, yeah. Do yeah. you have kids? No. No. Sorry. <laughs> that's the same Strong reaction. I response. Do. That's the same one I do. No offense, <laughs> listeners with children. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when I say it that I way like is that I, I just flash through my life and like who I am as a person and I think about that person and this lifestyle with children. That's why I'm like, oh God, no. Okay. It's not a judgment call. <laughs> so you don't think I spoil my dog too much? No. No, see, that's right. My dog has like clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she is she has like 40 different beds i feel like rosie's uh, rosie can do bandanas but i think once a dog gets to be a certain size you can't like the clothes just are like a yeah little, like, no. goofy and looking. i and hers are actually practical she's little tiny sure, she gets sure. cold but sure. they are really cute <laughs> um i was saying something about women oh thank you for that compliment it is difficult like i don't have a lot of uh I mean, I've had like maybe five Texas country people on here. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it, there's certain genres I don't think that. That's true. I, I just don't cross paths with. They don't really get sent to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. From publicists and stuff. Have you ever had Beth Chrisman on here? I don't take, think so. You ought to have her. Okay. I, I'm hearing these clinks. So I'm going to take them off. Um, yeah. She's a great podcast guest. She's yeah. She's on my podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think that having that women's jam, I mean, I'm just always interested in hanging out with women in music. Like, I, I, I only really talk about two things in life, music and food. And so if I'm going to hang out with people, they have to be into one of those two things, yeah. preferably both. Yeah. And um, and so, I don't know. I just got tired of hanging out with dudes <laughs> all the time. Sure. I love dudes, but yeah. just only dudes. So, yeah, th through that and then also, when I got into audio engineering, same thing. Um, finally took some classes at Women's Audio Mission in San Francisco, which is a which is for women, women and marginalized genders. And it was the first time I'd ever learned like a technical skill in the absence of men. And it was so interesting and different. And the dynamic was totally different. That's and, interesting. Yeah. No one was talking down to you. No one was talking down. No one was talking over each other. People were asking questions that were actually questions and not like... Showing how big yeah, your dick is. Yeah, just like, what's your favorite mic? <laughs> Hold on, let me show you. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is it as big as this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, that's not the same. It's so great. That was disgusting a, what I just did. That's, that's all right. You don't get that in, in women's groups, in groups with women. Well, it, yeah, you may, do. a little bit. Um, but no, it's it's just a different dynamic and a, right. a great, comfortable space to learn in. So that's yeah. what, when the pan pandemic started, I started Omni Sound Project okay. here in Austin as wanting to do in-person classes. And we did four in-person and then the pandemic started. Oh, and so shit. we went online and then we blew up. So it, was, it turned out to be a good thing, but we didn't get to do that studio space that I dreamt of. Yeah, well, you online. know what's interesting is that's the real like learning like that is probably good for this era of time. Like yes. it's weird, I have a friend in Miami, she's like, oh, I'll send you these tracks and I get that, man, it's cool, I'll, I'll do that or whatever. But like, I'm like, hey, I'm coming in February, like you guys aren't like putting this out anytime soon. Like, can I just be there with you? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, for... that part of it, like the hang. Yeah, it's part of it. The fucking hang is like, like what do you mean you don't want to hang out? Like, yeah. what do you mean you want to send me a thing? You don't want me to come over? We fucking hang out and shoot the shit for 30 minutes and like, 
do some jamming? Well, I think that's why recording studios are still so viable because they really aren't. I mean, unless you're tracking something really big and you're tracking live bands, you don't really have to record in a studio no. anymore. But they are protectors of that creative space, you know. And so if you have the luxury and the time to like spend time there, the, the other problem is sometimes they're like, in and out trying to get you in and out on a schedule but if you work with a studio that does like a daily rate where you can go and just relax and play and you know so expensive interact yeah there's no that's the part where there's no return for Mm -hmm. them no none. there's no like you used to be able to sell records and make the money at least that you spent in the studio but yeah i still encourage people to record but i'm hyper focused on recording like singles and eps and thinking of it as marketing material instead of something to sell which, I mean, you're right, being like... Isn't that weird? Would you tell that chick that worked at... Sorry to refer to you as a chick, but that chick that worked at the zine? Yeah, right. Would you tell oh, her, like, yeah, someday, no someday this is just going to be marketing material. The the You're bearing your soul. Yeah. There was nothing there, and you created something and filled space with beauty. Yeah. Well, and it's a marketing tool. Right, no, it's I a for great, sure Hey, it's a great marketing tool. I would have kicked, <laughs> you know? kicked myself in the teeth. No, um, I... I just, I also still do believe in the art and beauty aspect of it, but I think that's the live right, performance right. Um, or sync placement. I think that's actually, you know, thing, another thing that was considered selling out when we were younger is such a beautiful contribution now to like movies and entertainment to have your song be a part of that is, is a, a great expression of creativity. But, but to actually just record a song and try to sell it that's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah, I know. So it's weird. People got to adapt. <laughs> uh, they had a thing before Austin Music Foundation's doors were, I, I don't know if they're on hold or if it's over, but we were all kind of like, I think they're going to bring in a whole new faction of folks with the new program if that they're going to reopen. So uh, before that happened, one of the last things they had there was a, uh, some guy from Nashville that's gotten so many placements that now he just goes around telling people how to get placements. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was the antithesis of like songwriting basically is what this guy's telling you is like this thing, this manipulative tool to get someone to stick it in their Cheeto commercial or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Writing for a computer basically. It would, yeah, it was just, it was, it, I don't want to be a dinosaur by any means, but that kind of stuff makes me sad. Yeah. Like as many people that showed up for that, like, yeah. you know, and you're like, really, this is like, yeah, but this they're is just trying to do. make a living. So like, I think there's I like, there's hard. like music, the art, and then there's music, the business. And it's always been a hard thing right. to do. And one's always been distasteful, right. no matter how you make the money off of it. So to me, when people come to me and they're like, they want the consulting and we start working together and they're like, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the money. I'm like, then make it a, go get a job and just ha- do this as a hobby. That's actually the best position you could possibly be in. That's know? what it fucking is now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like more hobby. expensive than golf. Yeah, exactly. You know so mean? like, don't try to make money off of it. If you don't have a taste for that stuff, cause yeah. that's how you make money now, you know, like, yeah. don't, and that's fine. If you don't want to make money off music, then just do it creatively as a hobby, but don't spend a ton of money going in and recording a, an, a record and then expect for to make any money off of it. You there's, know? there's still people I get even in here and they're like, yeah, man, you know, I hope this is going to be, you know, spend a lot of money on this, man. I hope I sell a lot of CDs and you're like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good luck with that thing. 
It's the number one, like the first thing I ask any client is like, what's, what do you, what's your next goal to record an album, to record an EP, to record a single? And I'm like, why? And they're like, what do you mean? Why? Like, that's, you know, the goal. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. You gotta like, you're going to spend a ton of money on this thing. You're not going to get any money back. So what are you trying to do? Trying to get new people to your shows. Right. Trying to get that's crowdfunding or sync placement all of those are and that's what i meant when i said the song is marketing material a song the recorded song is an avenue to get people to those other ways to support you yeah but that the sale of the song itself is unless you're among the lucky few yeah not gonna pay, pay off um that's the same thing that i would say when people came in in consultations when I was doing them at Austin Music Foundation, a lot of it too is like, what, what do you want? Like, what do you, what do you want out of this? Like, yeah. do you want, do you, is this going to be your life or are you like a guy like, oh yeah. And then I had a band at this point and it was great. Yep. My friends and me, which is totally awesome too. Cause mm-hmm. some of those bands are amazing. Yeah. Um, that's the part that, that the thing that sort of like what we came up, knowing as like a life in the music business was a lot different. Like, you know, now you have to be, I mean, now you have to have two different websites, two different companies do 17 different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Play was it really different that different or, though? Cause like how many people do we know our age who also they got an advance and then they recorded and they never sold anything and no one came to their shows. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hard like to, to actually get people to pay you a livable wage for music has been a pretty hard thing for a while, you know? It's it's gotten, it's changed, like, how you can make the money from it. But sure. it was always, I know plenty of people with, like, closets full of CDs. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thankfully Did not Did you come me. in here and go in my fucking closet before you came in here? <laughs> um, I, uh... <laughs> um, so many people. Yeah. Uh, so I'd rather I'd rather them not have that experience. Well, I I feel like in uh, in the back in the day, to use an awesome phrase that's <laughs> never been used before, in the '90s and stuff like there there were you you could sell CDs. There were uh, there were people that would book bands that were early in their mm-hmm. development. Yeah, which that's not. That's that's not a viable thing very much either. Now there's just kind of booking agents. They they've got to make at least fifty grand off of fifteen to twenty percent off of their artist. You know right. what I mean? A yeah. year mm-hmm. to just survive. Yeah. So that's not a viable jam anymore. So that's gone. But there were these booking agents that would route you and do these tours. And uh, in fact, the band that when I was in this band, Mr. Rocket Baby, um, we Paul Nugent, the guy that manages blue October and he had a booking agency in Dallas and stuff. And he had just a fucking army of bands. It was like, it was, it was like deep blue something, the Nixons, uh, uh, tripping Daisy, like mm-hmm. all these bands that were out there making rights, a lot of bands that got signed and stuff. And, uh, you could go out and you could play these shows and yeah, you'd make 150 bucks opening for somebody in this place. And, but then the next night in Monroe, Louisiana, there's a place that pays, you know, 1200 bucks, for three sets so you've you know you kind of you could you there was a way to do it yeah that made do sense do you not think people can do that now though like with playing live 
Because I still think they can. Well, this is the thing. I'm sorry. Oh. The main thing about back in the day is you didn't already pay, like, I don't know how much you pay for streaming service. How, how much you pay for cable connection? How much you pay for internet service? How much you pay for your fucking phone? So how much you pay for subscription to your music thing? How much you pay to this? So you have a bunch of shit you can do before you go out. Back then, you had cable or whatever, but people went out. Going to see a band yeah. was, it was still... A magical thing. Yeah. You know? Is it not still? <laughs> I haven't gotten the memo. <laughs> to us it is. Yeah. And and to some people it is. But it, uh, you know, when you and I grew up, uh, music drove the culture. Like yeah. people dressed like the Beatles. People dressed like Madonna. Yeah. People, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it enveloped the country. There are not, I don't see a lot of people Dressing like Billie Eilish. Right, You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that does. We were just talking about this. I was on a a podcast last week. How many podcasts are you going on? (laughs) Very, I'm a promiscuous podcaster. I love podcasts, by the way. Podcast slut. Yes. I'm going to podcast slut shame you on my show. (laughs) I know, I shouldn't have mentioned my past. Um, But she and I were talking, she's really young, and she was talking about like how that seems really fun that something could kind of take over the whole culture like that. And that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, I mean, I I think people do take over like Billie Eilish, for example, people do come along that take over the culture, but not in the same way. I think when really some people listen to radio still, which I don't, um, other than obviously KUT, KUTX, but like, um, you know, mainstream radio still does that. They'll have the top 40 countdown still. Really? Yes, I learned it because I was working at a dance studio and I had to drive the girls in a van once a week. And it was always the same time every week. So it was like our favorite thing. They would be like, turn it up, put on the radio station and listen to the countdown. And it was like Lizzo and Billie Eilish and they were all singing it. Like it was so fun. It felt exactly like it did when we were young, you know. But I just, I wish that that was a little more prominent. But they're connecting to those artists in a different way. I mean, there's like a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I use my, uh, like my connection to Kiss. Like when I, in the heyday of Kiss, I was the right age. I was hook, line, and sinker. It was like my life. Like I would have fought a dude, you know, over who the coolest guy in Kiss was. or You know oh, what I mean? Sure. What the best song was or something. And you would have found somebody who would have fought you whereas now you're like have you heard this band not really i don't or you don't even know who you're listening to on spotify like when people ask me who my favorite bands are i'm like i gotta go look up i know there's a song i've been listening to a lot but i gotta go look up and see who it is you know and that's somebody who's really trying to pay attention yeah so music has definitely become like a background experience you know yeah but i do think the live shows are still they are, but even those are tainted in this way that's so weird because the experience, not for everybody, but the experience, like, uh, who were you into? Who's your favorite band in 1995? The Breeders. Okay, say you go to a fucking Breeders show and you have a camera, like they let you in with a camera. What are these pictures going to be of? The Breeders. Yeah. You're going to get as close as you can to get the best shot of Kim and Kelly. Just gonna fucking do what you can. Yeah. Now, it's you. The experience right. is happening to you. You are in the forefront. I am. I'm at the breeders. This yeah. is about me. This isn't yeah. about the music that's driving the culture. Now I am my own little press 
yeah. company. And this is my latest installment to, hey, I'm at the Breeders. This is me at the Breeders. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I hear mean? you, but you are a cranky old man. Am I? <laughs> I'm not trying to be a cranky. I'm, I'm not angry about it. I'm just saying I, I'm i out there playing shows, man. I mean, I'm out there. Like a Skyrocket plays fucking packed shows. And I watch these people. Yeah, I had a meltdown one night. <laughs> I did. I told them all to put their phones out. There was one point oh, where I was like... there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Nico Case won't let you uh, have phones at her shows, and it's awesome. It's so, but you know what? I don't think the the young, young people... No, they're not. They're no, no, not no. It's the people it. our age and, uh, and, and even a little older. And millennials yeah. were really bad about it, but the Gen Z Gen Z and the younger ones than that, they're not using their phones at shows, which is You called me so, a cranky old man. Yeah. <laughs> you were in the middle I've of... I worked so hard really long to not rant. be... <laughs> I, I don't know you at all. I'm kidding. I literally, I'm just a huge shit talker. So I apologize. <laughs> I take every advantage I can to. Rosie and I are leaving. <laughs> you have to do the next podcast. His name's Cactus Lee. Okay, He's really good. Okay, I'm bye. down. I would love to. I'd um, love to have the reach of your podcast. How fun. I can't wait to have, like, you, to be able what to What made have. you want to do a podcast? Because I love podcasts. Yeah. I listen to them constantly. Yeah. And I like talking to people. I mean, I try not to insult my guests like I just <laughs> insulted you. But yeah. Uh, I didn't insult you. Okay, good. No, no, that's good. I was like, wait, what? what did no, I, no, no, it mean? no. No, okay. um, no, I love it. It's so fun. And I like talking about music. So on my show, we do one thing that's really cool about the Spotify app is that they'll let you stream the song. Right. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And so on my show, we talk about the song and then we play the song. So right. or other way around. But you get to listen as the listener to the song and then hear us talk about it. And I'm talking to engineers and producers who are like really sure. breaking down the technical aspects of it. Or in the case of Susan Rogers telling personal stories about, you know, the artists and stuff. Yeah. So um, it's it's just how do you reach so these people? Through Omni Sound Project, I okay. knew all the guests I've had so far are just people that I know through okay. the audio engineering world. And basically it was just like, hey, and like Larry from Tape Op, you know, when when I started reference like tracks. Like Larry, like a, he's your bro. That's so awesome. Larry, he's my boss. Um, and so he, I just called him up. I was like, hey, I'm doing, at the time it was a radio show. Right. It's like, let's get on there and talk about music. He's like, okay, because it's what we do anyway. So yeah. <laughs> can I, uh, can I say something? Mm-hmm. You can tell I can tell who Larry. Larry. Okay. I know that their podcast is interviews recorded with just one thing in the between two people. We have, but I always thought it was so weird that slightly ironic that the worst sounding podcast that I listen to is the tape pop one. I told him that the the moment the first time I talked to him, and I was like, "What is up with this?" And he's like, "We've heard it from everybody." And I'm like, "Then I mean, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so funny. It, I I totally agree. Yeah, in case there's got to be some AI program now at this point that makes those clarify it. I bet there's one that can make everything that can. I don't think they can totally duck out like all the background sounds though i mean oh, it's like true. they're but I, the argument they have is that they're recording like they're at nam and they sit down with somebody and record so there's a bunch of background oh, yeah, noise yeah, but yeah. it's like yeah it's hilarious i totally agree in the early days of this podcast i when i do fucking tim palmer you know tim palmer Mm-mm. oh dude he's amazing producer mixing guy oh. makes pearl jam 10 oh wow he produced uh love i just died in your arms tonight <laughs> um all kinds of stuff. Amazing stuff. He lives here in town. I met him for breakfast at Jim's and I thought that would be a good idea. It's like, <laughs> I have the best, the best uh, recording guy I've ever had, engineer, 
producer mixing guy I've ever had on the show and it's yeah. the most annoying sounding thing with all these plates clanking in the oh, background no, and yeah. fat people eating. <laughs> I'm just joking. Cut that part out. Um yeah, so I I I kind of feel that way about my podcast too like the beginning. The first few episodes are like really poorly recorded and it's embarrassing cuz you're like literally talking about recording. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe make it a little more clear. You had Matt Parmenter on. I like him I a lot. I love him. Yeah, He's a great dude. I'm going to his place tonight. Are you? Ice, ice cream factory studio. What are you yeah. going to do there? My, I have this little crew of clients that are all Austinites, and that we're all kind of in the similar age group, and um, we. So they're like a little sort of VIP coaching group that I have. Oh, cool. And. Um, we're going to go and do photos. Like we all realize we need new photos of ourselves for our websites and socials and stuff like that. One of them is a photographer. So we just hit up Matt. Like, can we just come over there and we're going to play too, but we're just going to take the opportunity to all get some new pictures. Nice. Tell him I said hi. I will. Yeah. Have you had him on here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that dude. He's a good guy. I, uh, I was a big fan of a quiet company. Oh really? I knew them. I got to, I met him when he was in the band. A long time ago, he should be. He'll be in tape op this year. He will, mm-hmm. he should be. Yeah, he's my first male interview. Oh, really? <laughs> I made okay, exception. so so let's get let's get back to this thing. So, you go through the thing in 2020, mm-hmm. you learn how to record. So, what then you started the Omni Sound Project? Yep, yep, hosted 120 classes in four years, online classes on what. Recording? Uh, recording. Okay. Mixing mostly. Production and mixing mostly. Okay. Yeah. It's hard. Like you said, it can be an advantage to teach on Zoom. Like it was really hard to teach recording on Zoom because of just all the physical setup. But it was really easy to teach mixing because you're just you looking at someone's screen. Doing, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we did that, delved really deep. Then about halfway through 2023 <laughs> became real obvious that people are super duper not into hanging out on zoom anymore <laughs> yeah after three years of it and so switched over to a sub stack which is like right, a right. newsletter and but still do like audio engineering it's kind of like a female version of tape op basically okay. i do some interviews do some spotlights do you know like angel that. m mm-hmm. okay yeah she interviewed who was i just, oh aaron barra totally unrelated that's i was just reading aaron's tape op and angel did her interview Oh, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A couple of few years ago. You love, get them, Rosie. Can you close that window, please, yeah. for me? Oh, yeah. Those, it's going to go on for a little while, huh? You know, I don't know. I don't know what these guys are doing, but it looks noisy. <laughs> this is my mixing. Uh, that's that's my mixing note. That's my one mixing note. What bass up, one decibel? 250, one dB. <laughs> because the way that I record bass and the way that it comes out of NS10s, when it goes into regular things, because I guess cranky old men. <laughs> He's not going to let it won't go. Won't let go of their, their 80 <laughs> speakers that probably still have cocaine in them or something. <laughs> I like your Kathy Valentine sticker. What a badass. Oh, she's a badass. Fucking move now. I know. I know. How is that even possible? It's a shitty thing, man. That's a woman that, uh, that's, you know, man, that's a, uh, I'm not, I'm not being like, I'm a, I'm a woman guy or something. Uh, but most of my, uh, like we have a band together. We've worked oh, a lot Kathy? together, written a lot of ah. songs together. Oh, cool. Uh, we had a band together. I guess now until she comes back, it won't be again. But it's basically the Blue Bonnets with me singing. Okay. And uh, it's real cool. 
it was called Johnny in the ladies' room for a while, and then she wanted to call it Lady Van Johnson. Cool. And so that's what we called it. You know why she wanted to do that? Because we needed one band in Austin that was that was LBJ. Oh, nice. <laughs> Dorky we, thing. We did a cover band called the Ghost of Ann Richards. Oh, right. <laughs> know that political shout out. I love her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You grew up in Texas in the yeah. 80s. How can you not love, love her, her so much? Um, her 90s, I guess. But yeah, I've worked a lot like with with uh, with Kathy and uh, in my early times in the 90s, I had a manager. One of my managers was married to Jane Weedlin oh, from the right. Go-Go's and then we became very, uh, very tight. Nice. And uh, made a lot of music, to, wrote a lot of songs together. And uh, me and Jane and Charlotte wrote a lot of songs together. And uh, That's so cool. Yeah, I love I love that band. Talking about so being starstruck, when I met her for the first time, it was just like, uh, Kathy? Was like, be cool, be cool. Yeah, we were like on a music panel together. Uh-huh. And so we're like in the green room or whatever. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I should tell her like how big of a deal she was to me as a kid or if I should just be cool. And then right when I was considering it someone came in and told her and she was just like yeah yeah and I was like okay I'm not gonna say anything (laughs) I uh I loved them when they came out Mm -hmm. and uh I remember and uh I just remember this feeling of uh our lips are sealed and and I wanted to be in that car with them. I wanted to be their friend, like yeah. their little buddy. Or they had the towels on their head with the face mask. That was yeah. a, my friends and I would like recreate that photo. <laughs> I have both covers. Really? Yeah, I Kathy actually, actually gave me one. Oh, I didn't nice. realize they had done two. And when she came over here one time, she's like, oh, you have the blue one? You know, there's a pink one. And uh-huh. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, they did two different covers. I was like, one was a mistake and it was the wrong color. And they reissued it. And she oh my like found that How somewhere. cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I have a few Go-Go's records. When vinyl kind of started making it come back and they were repressing these yeah. little things. Grabbed a couple. Well, those sound way better than those 80s. Mm-hmm. Like once you get at like Goodwill and stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you can really, I mean, paying $40 for a record is weird, right? Well, I think going back to our making money thing, though, it's a really nice way to support musicians now. So instead, like I don't buy it on Amazon, I go to the musician's website and buy it directly. So for me, I look at it as if I've streamed something a whole lot on Spotify, if I hit hit a critical mass of like, okay, I have listened to this Andrew Bird album like 10 times, go to his website, buy it on vinyl, because he's not getting anything from those streams, you know? Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. And um, I, as a cranky old woman, do not tend to go see a lot of concerts anymore. So buying vinyl is like the best way to support. You're a self-proclaimed <laughs> angry old woman. I'm actually not cranky at all. Cranky, I was much cranky. crankier when I was like in my 20s. I'm actually getting, oh, so was I, yeah. I'm getting happier and nicer as I get older. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this podcast, this podcast was like specifically, I did this so that I would not get cranky. About I stuff. really, I don't even remember why I said it. I had a we're problem the very on. first Forgive time, me. like the first season of Saturday Night Live when people were playing those little boxes, like it'd be one person singing, another person hitting a little box with lights that lit up. I had cranky old men, like, what the fuck are these people doing? And then you're like, totally. whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. You Until love you drum try machines. it. Yeah. Too, I think trying it, like I used to be, well, I lived in San Francisco in the 90s before moving to Austin and... I would go see DJs with a friend who was so into DJs and I'd be like, this is so boring. I don't know. What, like, this, <laughs> why would I, why am I standing here? Cause he always want to stand up front and watch them yeah. spin and all that stuff. And then he's like, you know what? Try it. Like come over and I'm going to teach you how to do it. 
And after trying it and recognizing the skill, then I had something to the next show I went to. I was like, oh, I get it now, you know? So I think that's the key is like, it is weird to go see a band who's just, there's a singer and someone on a, on a drum machine, but if they're good performers, then, and you kind of understand like the technical aspect of what they're doing. And, and like, I don't have a problem with people using tracks live. Yeah. That's just going to happen. Yeah. And I understand the the economics of it i understand the production value of it i understand everything about it yeah as uh, long as they're putting on a good show still though right my thing is like i i don't want to do that i didn't i didn't get in this to have some no computer tell me what when a song is going to end and i also just don't have the bandwidth to learn i mean like I, i'm trying <laughs> to stay up on technology because i just feel like our generation is going to be the first that like possibly could like live forever you know what i mean they might crack the whole mortality thing and if that happens we're gonna be signing up for that yeah like we gotta figure out how to use like airdrop you know what i mean like it's like things are gonna get a lot more complicated and so but i the one exception like so i try really hard to stay up on technology but there are just certain lines in the sand that i just will not cross like the first time i opened ableton i was just like i do not belong here yeah I gotta yeah. get out. <laughs> and I mean, the, the way it's laid out and everything, I was like, nope, I cannot rewire my brain to look at this and understand what's going on. Yeah. I'm going back to logic. How do you reconcile like performance uh, versus the way that people record now, like auto tune and like this kind yeah. of like, where do you stand on the performance versus? Yeah, I just think, I mean, again, I'm so focused on like financial viability just because of like my, what are they doing? I told them to do that. Oh, yeah. I did. I told them. There's all these signs all the time says, pick up your poop. And they're like, no one's picking up their poop. And I was like, hey, you guys don't have a thing where the people, I pick up the poop. Yes. I don't fuck around. You take your own bag. I take my own bag. But now they have bags. Now they have bags. Good job. Thanks, man. You're really impacting the world for better. (laughs) (laughs) In apartment 713, we're changing stuff. (laughs) One poop bag at a time. Oh. I'm sorry. How do you reconcile it? Um, I look at it like, again, so I feel like everything I do right now is from a coaching perspective is about like financial viability. Whereas like when I was younger, it was all about the artistry and the creativity. And now I'm like, you need to make some money. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so everything is just totally focused on that. So I err a little bit like my answer might be a little sterile, but I look at it as two different two different um, things to focus on. I think you either focus on becoming a really powerful live performer or you focus on being a really powerful recording artist. And Mm. I think if you, if you're a really good live performer, that's still the best way to make money in this industry. Um, But if you're not like I'm, I cannot perform alone. I don't have the musical skill. I don't have the voice for it, but I love to record songs, you know? And so for me, I pour my energy into learning how to record because I know that's just going to be the best way for me to like have my music get out there. If I had the talent to stand up on stage and play and sing, I would never worry about recording. I would hire professionals whenever I needed that. So I don't see there's few people who need to do both. I think you kind of focus on one or the other and then maybe crossover when needed. Right. But what, what I mean, I I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Um, let me clarify like a a performance going onto a record, like a a good example, a, a perfect example of this is honky tonk women by the, uh, the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That song starts off at one yeah. speed and ends at another. Yeah. Now, if a guy, if that was a new band and they came in, there's a guy, Pro Tools is out, he's like, all right, guys, we got to put this on the grid. 
They don't, though. They don't all have to. They don't all have to. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that do work like yes, that. I mean, sure. nowadays. I they say work... find the people who don't. Because you have to be a really good audio. But as we... an audio engineer, where do you stand on that? Oh, I'm, I love recording without a click. Yeah. If or, you or can just do like it... Frank Sinatra. Like, you know, when he, when he sang uh, Fly Me to the Moon, he's, he's sang that song from beginning to end. That's, that's his performance. Like, it totally. just, you, the, you get that's the, the hair on my arm stands up just talking about it. Yeah. No, Dave and I'm a huge fan of Dave Rawlings and Gillian Welch and they track everything live like that as a group. And I think that to me is like the true, I mean, that's the recording of an event and the event magic. is You're capturing magic. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the optimal, that's the goal yeah. in my mind. But I also love technology and I love what it can do for people like me who so I just recorded a demo to send off to a friend to re-record the guitar parts for me. And I wanted a finger picking track and I literally had to comp my finger picking because I can't change my left hand fast enough while doing like an arpeggio with my right. Okay. So I would literally have to like hit record and do like the G pause, back it up, hit, do the C record, pause, back it up and comp that track just to get a continuous finger picking track. God, that must've so, felt magical. It sound no, like the it feel sucked. of it must have been really yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying <laughs> to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish in my head, yeah, 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 would yeah. not be possible right. without that technology. So like I'm right. a fan, but yeah, I think the gold standard is to be able to do what you're describing of tracking a live a live yeah. band with no click. That's the best. I always thought it was interesting because literally one of the most talented human beings I've ever been around musically was like a 21 year old angel m mm. who we would be doing shows together at flipnotics remember that place yeah we doing a show together at flipnotics in the middle of the song while i'm playing she would just reach over and tune <laughs> the string that's just ever so slightly out of yeah tune. and uh perfect pitch like she sings perfect i think it's it's interesting that she doctors people's vocals like that's her yeah jam now. yeah yeah well yeah. probably that's why she's so good at it she lived here yeah I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Because where is she now? She's like in Florida or something, right? No, no, no. She was in or... L.A. for a long time. And then uh, she and her boyfriend, her husband, sorry, uh, built a studio out in the, uh, like in, in the, in Death Valley, <laughs> in, oh. the de in the desert, kind huh. of by Palm, Palm Springs and Joshua Tree, oh, cool. I think. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard much about her lately. Yeah. I haven't heard of stuff. But anyway, yeah, that is, it is ironic. I mean, that's just, but if you're good at that and that's your thing, obviously she had the proclivity she for can hear it. it. Yeah. yeah. She can definitely hear it. Cause I can't, I have, I have a couple friends who are mixed engineers and they'll send me stuff to review. And I'm like, are you, did you use Melodyne on these vocals? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like it does, it's still out of tune. They can't hear it. So the technology can only go so far, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I mean, there's, Roxy Music Records. <laughs> he's not always. He's a great singer. Oh. He's not always. He's not always. Well, and you want that, right? Yeah. You want that, like character. Back to the breeders. There's that song. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. where she her voice cracks, <laughs> and it's so clearly an accident. But it's yeah. like the most punk rock thing I've ever yeah. heard. It's like that would be removed now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you got to keep. You got to keep it. I think. How many shows uh, do you put? Out? You do seasons, right? Yeah, so far, that's the, yeah. You're not a masochist. Because I've been editing it. Do you edit this yourself? Yeah, I don't really edit. I mean, I have to go take out that part where I did the rose. Oh, thing. okay, okay. So I edit 
mine and it takes so long. I'm very slow and very picky. And so I really only have time to do, I put out one, one podcast every two weeks, one episode every two weeks. Okay. And so usually I just do like, I do like seasons cause that just means I stop for a couple months so I could like sure. record everybody. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I'd like to get to a point where I'm cranking them out cause it's so fun. The editing and doing it yourself. If I had to edit, I would, I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of like sitting at a computer doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get better at not editing so much and just letting it go. But I like because we have the music sure. in there, it sure, makes sure. it so yeah, yeah. I like to kind of keep it. Succinct. No, I think that's cool. There's people that have have there's people that have come on and they're like, I want you to play this song after I talk about this. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how it works here, man. I mean, the people go listen to you there. I mean, it's two different kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the way yours was placed. Personally, I don't want to have to go find songs and find the part of the song and put it in. Because once I'm doing all that, then all I really want to do is talk to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'd like people to hear it. And I can't afford to have someone do all the production. So. Yeah. Oh, it's, no. So so you're saying that you're going to not cut out the part where I called you a creepy old man. That's the best part of the show. <laughs> no. No, I hear you. Um, tape op is so funny because they do like five issues a year. And so when, when I, I'll reach out to people for interviews and they'll be like, um, can we time it with the release of my next album or whatever? It's like, dude, I don't have any idea when this is coming right, out. Right. Like I know Matt's coming out this year. I, I interviewed him last December. You know, and I still don't know what oh, issue yeah. he's going to be in. Do you, do you know Spencer Gibb? Mm-mm. Oh, he's a cool dude. But he, I, him, who was that? Oh, Steve McAllister interviewed Rupert Neve oh. for tape off. Nice. He's a buddy of mine. And yeah. For Spencer took the pictures. For some reason, I thought it was Spencer that, that did the interview, but it was, it was Steve. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, my buddy is the owner of Rupert Neve Designs, one of my best friends. Josh Thomas, you should have him on here. You should totally to. have him on here. He's so I'd love good. to. Sometimes guys like that don't go over very There's, well because he's it's, the funniest human being I've ever. Oh, he met. is. Okay, yeah. good. Because uh, sometimes the technical parts of music don't don't fly. Oh yeah, and show. he's like he comes at it from the marketing. I mean, he was the chief marketing officer and then bought it from Rupert. So he's got he's a, in a different world sales and marketing okay. kind of world he's hilarious so so your thing in 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 uh in little city sounds is is kind of coaching people on how to make a living yes doing music 100 percent. yeah it's cool yeah i started off it started off because through omni sound project i would have people reach out to me and be like how are you doing this how are you making money off this how are you doing the your email marketing like they wanted that advice um, and it just, I just was like, I'm just going to start a separate entity to take and care it's a of business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Consulting business basically. And, um, do you have a lot yeah, of clients? I do. And I have, my business plan is really meant to have a small, like I really want to cap out at like 30 people. Cause I like to work really closely with folks. Right. So then I went ahead and made like a little self-guided online course thing. Like I call it a branding boot camp. And that way, if there's a musician who comes to me who doesn't have, they can't pay me monthly to work with me, but they just need a little help. I send them to that. So I can take, you know, I can help people that way. But if you, but to have, you know, the monthly attention and like email access to me and stuff, I keep it real small. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Do email lists still work? They're the only thing that works. Okay. Yeah. So every everything. You don't think sponsored ads on Facebook or everything Instagram? should be driving people to a <clears throat> mailing list. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. That's good to hear. Yeah. So and it's it's funny because I feel like for a long time people 
And we've all, I feel like the last 10 years, we've all just been like obsessed with social media. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm starting to see, and I don't mean, I mean, that was a very obvious statement, but I mean, from a marketing standpoint. Um, and so like, I'm starting to see people shift now back to like, oh man, this is so tiring and it's not really showing results. We have all these followers, but they're not true fans. You know, if you have a thousand people on your mailing list versus 10,000 on social media, you're going to make more money off the mailing list, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm a broken record with the money stuff because to me, that's like, why are you, why are you, like, you, you got the creativity figured out. You know what I mean? Like you don't need my help with the creativity and the artistry or else you wouldn't be a musician. You need help with the business stuff. Not you personally. Yeah. Although no, maybe- I, I do think I, th- I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I do agree with that. That was the, one of the things with the awesome music foundation was that we tried to tie in, bring in both. And with that artist development program that we did that Anastasia went yes. to, we'd go and record with Frenchie yeah. uh, from oh, yeah, 16 yeah. Deluxe over at his studio, the bubble and, and kind yep. of do like two songs in two days and sort of like, you know, like a boot camp sort of, yeah. uh, That's create awesome. a boot camp too as well. That's so awesome. Yeah. Being able to do all that is luxury. Um, well, so people can find that at littlecitysounds.com. And if people want to get involved with Omni Sound Project, uh, go to omnisoundproject.com. You got it. And you said you were going to be recording some music. That's yes. what you said to me. In the yeah. Did you do that? I finished my demo. I'm just doing one single. I mean, I don't have any real career ambitions for myself anymore. So I'm just trying to record stuff for posterity, basically. So I'm just doing it a song at a time. Um, so my buddy, John Reidenauer, he's a really amazing. I have not seen John Reidenauer. Do you know him? Oh, fuck, dude. I haven't seen that dude in like. 30 years. Dude, he is he not like the best? Well, you may not know. I, he's he was like one the of the nicest guitar. dudes. Well, he's a nice dude, Amazing but he's also player. like the best guitarist I've ever. Like, I always wanted to play with him back oh in the day. Oh my God, he's so good. So he, so I recorded an album in the back of my truck. I did this project called Songs from a Truck where I like built a little sound booth on the back of a pickup truck and drove around the country and recorded all my friends. It's fucking rad. It was so fun. And so I, it's my, like, what was the, what was the thing that, that Walker did? I did one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Song Confessional. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So these were my songs though, but yeah, I love, oh gosh, I love Song Confessional. Um, but so my last stop on that tour, I stopped in Urbana, Illinois, which was where John was living at the time. And I just had him add, like, I'd be like, okay, this is supposed to be like a Loretta Lynn honky-tonk song. And he'd be like, got it, you know? And then I'd be like, this one's supposed to be like an ambient tune. He's like, got it. And he can, he can do anything. And so he's back in Austin. He is? Yes. And I just sent him my demo and he's the one that's re-recording the guitar tracks and he's going to ask Please tell it. him I said hello. I will, for yeah, sure. I would love to see that guy again. Yes. I always liked him. He's he's incredibly talented. So yeah. He worked at Moondy. That's how I met him. He did? Yeah. Then I must have seen him sometime unless... I just remember... But I that was 30 found, years ago? Was it? No, it was 20. 20 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Time is, is insane, isn't yeah, it? It is. Um, all right. And you're doing those pictures tonight yep. with the group. Mm-hmm. Um, any events or any kind of thing people can see I mean, you doing just, anything publicly? No, I think oh. the best thing to do is go and fill out. I have this little form on my website where people just tell me what they're working on. And then we start from there. And I'm just, I, I'm so burned out on events that I'm like all about the conversation. Like you just said, I just want to talk to people. So yeah. just get in touch. Um, people can find your podcast at reference tracks, reference tracks podcast. Yep. On Spotify. On Spotify. Is mm-hmm. it, is it anywhere else? No, because they don't let me play the music. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. That's why Smarty I don't do pants. it. Um, and then tape pop, of course. And tape pop, man, mm-hmm. how exciting. Yes. 
<laughs> do you get paid for writing for tape off? I do. I don't even pay for my subscription. I can't even say words. I can't even pay. I don't even pay for my subscription. I know. No one pays for their subscription. That's what's so great about tape op. And the yeah. ads are like part of the education, I feel like. The ads are uh, my second favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like the letters. And I remember, you know Mark Addison? No. I remember early on in the tape op thing. <laughs> He got, it's almost, I remember it was like, it was like the nerd equivalent uh-huh. of, 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 of getting your, uh, uh, getting your letter into penthouse letters right, right, in right. the penthouse like, forum. I'm a table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. My I mean, question, my review in the back of the, you know, oh, it's, of this it's new review thrill. and it's in there. <laughs> it's a thrill. I love it. Yeah. I mean, the first time I got to write for him and I got to write for him because I was complaining all the time about how there, he didn't have any women in there. And he was finally like, would you please just write an interview? That's <laughs> basically. Awesome. And so now, and then now one of my, one of the people from Omni Sound Project is also contributors. So like the last issue, we are almost half and half uh, women and men. That's uh, great. Yeah, it was very exciting. You know my theory on that? I've talked to a lot of people, even Lenise Bent in a, for a while about that. Now it might be changing, but when we were little kids, when Lenise was a little kid, little girls got a Barbie doll and boys got like an erector set or uh, a tinker toys or like something to build something. And, and then you, you went and you joined a team and you played sports and you learned how to work well with others and try to get to this goal where that, I don't think that women like had that sort of training. So they, they didn't, most women our age and Lenise's age don't think to go become a record, sit in a fucking studio mm-hmm. and all day yeah. and night for months on end. Yeah. It's I've not- even seen the change since starting Omni. I mean, we were have- one of, we were one of like four organizations yeah. at that time and now there's dozens and it's changing really quickly. And that's why I said earlier, I think it does take willful intention to exclude yeah. other genders at this point. I talked to Jimmy No. A few months ago, for a while, before he moved about about that that project and about having like focusing on women. Yeah, because he's that. got Project Traction. He did mm-hmm. not anymore. Oh, he didn't. I thought he was he keeping moved. it going. I no, no, no. He moved, but he just reopened Public Hi-Fi. He has did? a new location. Yep, and Public or uh, Project Traction is still going to. My oh, knowledge. good. Yeah. Okay. I think he's just relocating. He's gonna do. I think he's doing something in Fort Collins. Um, but yeah, he's uh. Where is he? Maryland or something like that? Like Rhode Island or, or Rhode something Island. like that? Yeah. yeah. No, you should go to his Instagram. He just posted the brand new studio space. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I, but what a sad loss for Austin. Huge loss for Austin. Yeah. We lost both of those guys, but I see Britt now more than I Britt saw was, when Britt's been gone for like 20 years though, right? I know, but I see him now than I, more now than I did in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And sometimes that's the way it works. Yeah. I see more people when I'm... In, now, you know, now that I come back from Montana, I just make a point of seeing everybody. So I'm a lot better at it. So what's Montana, uh, what's Montana like before you go? Mm, it's gorgeous. You like it? Yeah. You just hang out there? Yeah, I hang out. There's recording. I'm like a moth to a flame. So of course I work with the one recording studio in town. <laughs> can't, can't stay away. What's your town? Livingston. Okay. I've but you should bleep that. that part out because oh, we really? try to keep it under wraps. Really? Yeah. It's just getting real crowded up there, you know. Since everybody can work remotely, it grew real quick. Wouldn't that be funny if from this podcast, like you got back to... to and they, <laughs> I, I've had friends like message me and be like, take it down. Take down your post. 
Like, sorry, guys. You can say where you live, man. I'm Not sure so it's much a beautiful now. place. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, you saw what happened to Austin. You're like, no, no, no. I know. Don't do that to us. I still have such a good time here, though. I really do. Yeah, it's great. There's nothing wrong with Austin. But it's just, it's crowded <laughs> compared. I mean, especially living in a town of 7,000 when I come back here now. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I like, I, I have a hardest time trying to move from here because I, want to but i don't want to miss this whole thing and being oh, yeah. able to walk everywhere and just like being in the middle of all the, everything but there's this they're gonna there's like a 10-year project on 35 <laughs> and i was like oh maybe maybe it's time. but they're also gonna widen pleasant valley so you can go the other way oh that's true it's still it's just just that traffic it's and crazy. Just, yeah it is well montana's still wide open for now Yep, in a town that we will not be named. Um, well, I'm glad you're here, yeah, at least, so and I'm glad you came over. I'm glad we met. Thanks for reaching out. You and bet. I did enjoy uh, the Anastasia episode. That's the latest episode, right? I got a brand new one with Brett Sorrell that just came out a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Why did... Oh, my feed must be slow. <laughs> it was um, literally... It was last Wednesday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's your thing every other Wednesday? Every other Wednesday. When you're doing seasons? Mm-hmm. Yep. Man. I see... I. I I had to give myself more than I had to if I had any time to like sit back and go like like you 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 got to keep that momentum I would be like I, I don't I don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I were editing it I would or like heavily, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the time consuming part. I yeah. would be like you. Yeah. I yeah. love I'm glad you do it. It's great to have that Thank cadence. You. And you've got like 1300 episodes or something, right? 1450. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's weird. Like when you asked earlier, whoever you asked about, do you ever have this person on the show? I'm like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Because now there's like people like, I, I know that name from somewhere, but. It, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to be among the forgotten Man- masses. <laughs> <laughs> no, you will not be forgotten because you will forever be remembered as. <laughs> the Texas, the bitch from Houston that called you out do you, on your show. Do you know, do you know Lisa McCatch? <laughs> Mahatch. Is that Mahatch? Mahatch. Mahatch. God mm-hmm. damn it. Okay, I wrote it. Okay, so <laughs> Mahatch. Sorry. God damn it. I knew it was a switch around. Okay. You know Lisa? Ma- okay, I'll edit that just so I sound smarter. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Lisa Mahatch? Well, she called me a cranky old man. <laughs> just because. Boy, do I. <laughs> what did? What were we talking about that made me? Uh, you were just being a Luddite theory. about something. I can't remember. <laughs> you were just like, you were just like in the back of my day and I just like my eyes glazed over. And I was like, old man Luddite. <laughs> Johnny Gowdy, musician, <laughs> podcaster, cranky old man Luddite. But I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you took it personally because that means that you are trying really hard I'm to tr- not become that I'm way. I'm always trying really hard to me not too. become that way because to me that's the ugliest. I know. I hate it's it. It's no fun. I remember being very, very young and seeing older people who would say, well, music's not as good. TVs aren't as good. Uh, you know, food's not as good. Whatever. Things have changed. And I thought, I'm never going to be that way. I never. And it happened to half our friends here in Austin. Austin sucks. Austin's no good. Austin. And yeah, it's changed a lot. But like you got to like it is too young. We are too young to clock out now. <laughs> Yeah. Or the other thing too, like the, why did they close it down? Like when that one to one bar place closed, why did they close it down? And I remember just looking at someone and going like, can I just ask you a question? When was the last time you were there? Like, right. I've only been there a couple of times over right. the last 20 years they've been open. Yeah. You went there twice. That's yeah. why they're closed. And also a human <laughs> being is running it and they might want to be done, yeah. you know? Yeah. So anyway, 
But you're not a cranky old man. I've learned that now. Lisa Mahach. Thank you. Mahach. Mahach. I said it right. Try again. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you did? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just just picking on me. You found... (laughs) <laughs> she very, very she had a big smile on her face and she nodded yes thank you so much for doing the show it was really nice to meet you thank you so much and thanks Rosie gang that was Lisa Mahach you can find her at littlecitysounds.com or omnisoundproject.com great talking to her you can find her podcast reference tracks podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts check it out great 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 show All right. Had a great time talking to her. Don't forget, gang, no happy land this Monday. We will resume on Monday, February 12th. And then there's only three more shows until probably July or August. So so come on out to one of those shows at Saxon Pub Monday night, 6 p.m., starting uh, back on the 12th. All right. That's a very confusing information. Also, gang, uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast and get new podcasts every Tuesday and every Friday. Me talking to people also. Gang, I'm going to be dropping a really old episode tomorrow night, late. So be, be sure you subscribe. From the Vault, we'll be dropping episode 36 with white denim. All right? You guys have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Let's get down. Your hands to feel you.